It is Gardening Talk back with Newcastle's most popular man on a Monday afternoon, Scotty Sharp. Good afternoon. Again. I'm glad you set some very narrow parameters for my popularity then, mate. <laughs> we do. We do. All right, first up today, Emmanuel Abado Bay. What's going on with this Mandarin tree there? Hello, Ema- Hello Emmanuel. How can we help you? Always got Mandarin in it, small, big and everything. But sometimes when it comes even green or it becomes a bit orange, when it comes about golf ball or a tennis ball, they crack and they fall down. All the time I used to pick up about four or five a day, nearly. What's the reason? Yeah, so are you seeing any sort of fungal issues uh, on the fruit or are you just seeing the fruit cracking like that? Yeah, fruit cracking. Yeah. And then when after, usually when it cracks, it falls. But even sometimes it doesn't crack and they fall. Yeah, that, that, that's an unusual one. I'm wondering if it might have something to do with the watering of the plant because, uh, you know, most, most uh, especially tomatoes, but a lot of other, you know, the citrus trees need consistent watering as well. And I'm wondering if that might be the problem with the, with the cracked fruit. Uh, yeah, that, that's certainly an unusual how, problem. How, how often are you watering it, Emmanuel? Well, in summertime, I water it maybe every second day or third day, but in wintertime, I don't water it. Unless, if it doesn't rain, yes, I water it, you know, say once or twice a week when it doesn't rain. But if it rains, I don't, I don't water it. Ah, uh, righto, okay. Um, yeah, look, I think that's probably what it's going to be, um, just to, uh, you know, you just need to be really consistent with the watering. Sounds like you are being fairly consistent, though, so that, that's really unusual. What about uh, just some, uh, what, what are you feeding the plant with? Sometimes I feed her with uh, chicken manure yes. or cow manure. Yeah, look, now the chicken manure is fantastic, so keep on using that. Now, did you say you're watering it every second day and if it doesn't rain, you're not watering at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. mate, that, that, that's fine. So you are watering it um, correctly. I wouldn't be concerned about that in the end. In the, end. Um, the only other thing I, I might suggest is to get, you know, one of those citrus fertilisers. You know, it's like a, a granular yeah. fertiliser. Yeah. That's what I thought they were going to get, I think. Yeah, and... and, and What's in there is the you know some trace elements and other minerals that you're going to need to make the fruit a little bit stronger and, and the rind of the fruit stronger. So rather than just relying on, on poultry manure, I'd be getting some of that granular citrus food and giving that a try. Yeah, okay. And I, I, I wet it. What do you think I should wet it more? Or Because I thought I'm wetting too much. <laughs> as a matter of fact, you know. Well, now, did you say it's in a, in a pot or in the ground, that plant? No, 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 it's in the ground. It's, it's in... about uh, four-year-old. But four year it's old? always with, with mandarin, you know, always green. And they keep falling, falling, yeah. you know? Well, look, t- typically when you get the rind or the skin of a fruit uh, that splits like that, it has usually got something to do with overwatering. But you're not overwatering. You're only giving it every second day. If it rains, you're not worried about it. Now, has it been this year particularly, or has it been no. in past years? No, past year too. Uh, right, okay. Look, I, I think I would go and get some of that granular fertiliser and yeah. uh, try and feed it up. So it's probably not going to fix the problem for you this year, but once you start using that fertiliser regularly, it uh, hopefully will fix the problem up for you in the years to come. Yeah, it's a, it, I got a, I got an orange now, and it's still green. Is it going to uh, be ripe or not? Green. 
Yeah, look, it, it might not now, and I've got the same problem at my place. I've got uh, passion fruit vines, really beautiful passion fruit all over it at the moment, big, thick, yeah. yeah, but they're green as anything. They're as green as the grass, and I, I just don't think they're going to ripen now, so I'll probably go and, and pick those off uh, just to try and thin out the fruit on, on the plant and uh, take the stress off the plant because I know they're not going to ripen now um, that it's getting cooler. All right, thank you, Emmanuel. He got uh, double his money there, didn't he, Scotty? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> All right, next up is uh, Trevor at Cameron Park. Trevor, you've got some worms in the lawn. What's going on there? Oh, the whole lawn is, well, it's not green. It's, it's, it's a mud pack. It's like regularly, regularly mud coming up out of the lawn all over the place. Yeah, so look, we had a lady ring up uh, last week as well uh, asking about this, and I, I think what the, the issue is, it's the uh, it's just all the rain and, and the water that we've got lying around. The water table must be up. Uh, and and the worms are just naturally coming up to the surface and uh, leaving those little mounds, and it is creating a bit of a mess. But the great thing is, there's like there's two. There's the flip side to this story. There's the mess and the dirt everywhere. But the the good flip side is that the worms in your lawn means you've got a really healthy lawn and healthy soil. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they're actually a very good thing. You don't necessarily, you know, want to be going and getting rid of them. I think it's one of those things where you just have to put up with the a little bit of extra dirt at the moment. Now, our lady last week had a fantastic plan. Uh, she was going out there using a bit of soapy water, uh, you know, getting them up to the surface, then putting them into uh, a bucket and then transporting them across the road to, I think it was some parkland that she had where the, uh, where the grass and the ground perhaps wasn't as fertile as her lawn and she was releasing, rehoming those worms across the road and uh, hopefully she'll get some better soil across the road from that as well. The birds love them too, so if you want to, you can feed the birds a bit of soapy water, get them up to the surface, your maggies will come in and, and uh, have a crack at them and uh, it, you know, it keeps the circle of life uh, revolving around. Uh, Saying soapy water from dishwasher water or washing yes. machine? Yeah, that's that's absolutely fine. Uh, you know, recycle it that way if you want to. It'll just bring them back up to the surface. They don't like the soapy water. Uh, and if you want to, you can let the birds have their feast or rehome them somewhere else. Give them to a friend who might not have so many worms in their garden. Uh, and actually, that was the other thing I, I said to the lady uh, last week. Uh, that she might have them in the lawn and they're making a mess there. But if you've just got general garden beds, uh, why not rehome them you know, back over into your general garden bed and try and improve the soil there? So unfortunately, yes, they are, uh, Trevor, making a bit of a mess at the moment, but it just means that you've got a great lawn and a great garden. Oh, real mess. Oh, it's a real mess. <laughs> that, that's the problem, Trevor. You're looking after your place too well. Everybody wants a piece of it. Well, as a matter of fact, I've got an orange tree, which I've had to... I use some rope and some half-inch garden hose around the branches and I've tied it up and pulled it up tight because there's so much fruit that it's only 12 inches off the ground, the branches, and and the fruit, three oranges to a kilo, they're navels. And some, and some of them have been cracking. Yes, and we, we just had a manual on uh, from that. Yeah. yeah, so we, we think that, uh, look, he seems to be watering it uh, correctly. It could just be that we've had, you know, an immense amount of rain as well recently. But he's, he said his had been going on for a number of years, uh, but it could just be that we've had an immense amount of rain. The water table's up, uh, and same thing with your worms. Uh, having problems with the uh, the cracking skin on the oranges. All right, thank you very much, Trevor. Now, Neil, you've got an interesting one. Neil uh, at Pelican, he's got one of my favourite foods, Scotty, apple cucumber. He's put the seeds in, but what happened, Neil? You put the apple cucumber seeds in, but something very strange happened. Yeah, the uh, 
I've got apple cucumbers last year out of the packet I bought from the hardware shop. They were beautiful. Uh, this year I bought another packet and planted it, and it's apple cucumbers, it says on the packet. And this green thing came up. It's uh, about six inches round. Uh, looks like a squash. And you, and you don't and you don't like squash by the sounds of things. You know you did. Well, it, it's not going to be. A, it's not going to be a substitute in your salad, really, is it? No, no. Uh, look, in my experience, Neil, yes, this does happen because the the seed companies, uh, mate, it's all very automated, all computers and machines and you know things buzzing and, and whirring around and doing their thing and. Sometimes mistakes do happen. Uh, usually if you take it back, uh, you know, the, the retailer will happily swap that over for you because they should be able to get a, a credit for that back through the seed supplier as well. But unfortunately, that's what it comes down to. It really is just everything's very automated and mistakes do happen. So uh, I've, I've heard this happen a number of times. So don't don't be too concerned that uh, you've got a weird uh, apple cucumber there. I'm not worried about it. I just want to know when, when to pick it. Oh, you want to know when to pick it? Oh, well, look, you, you need, when with a squash, you need to uh, you give it a, a rap with your knuckles, and that's when you get you get that sort of drum sound to it, and that's when you know that it's it's ready to pick. Oh, yeah. so they don't get at six inches now. Is that about as big as they get? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just doing a quick thing. Yeah, that's probably about as big as it gets. As to whether it will still ripen for you now, coming into. Uh, you know, autumn, winter, that that's another thing. But just leave it on there and see how you go with it. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, if it doesn't ripen, you know, in the next, you know, six weeks or so, it might be time just to pull it out and start again. All right, thanks, Neil. Not a new variety, Scotty. That's where I thought we were going with this, a new variety, like a, a hybrid squash, uh, some apple sort of weird cucumber. thing yeah. that had come down from outer space. And, yeah, no, <laughs> no that's not what it is. A no, simple mistake. It's not the seed companies just trying to sneak one through on us. No, not all. that, no. All right, uh, Angela, and good afternoon to you, Angela. You're at Curry, and you're looking for some tips from Scotty today. I am, thank you. Uh, I need to find out why my jasmine isn't growing. I planted five jasmine plants, and for some unknown reason, they don't seem to be growing at all well. Oh, it doesn't sound good. Now, Angela, what sort of jasmine have you got in? Is it uh, star jasmine or jasmine polyanthem, the really, really smelly one? No, that's star jasmine. Star jasmine, okay. It is a really tough plant and easy to grow. Tell me about your soil conditions. You all wear it up at Curry. Yes. Yeah. What are your soil conditions like up there? Um, it's not too bad. I've sort of tried to put in as much as I can into the soil. You mm. know, any any things that I get, you know, from, from old pots and whatnot. And one seems to be growing a little bit, uh, but the rest I put five in all along the fence. Just. They're not dying, but they're just not growing. Well, that, that that's good news straight away. Now, I guess I should have asked how long have they actually been in the ground? Oh, at least three months. Oh, okay. So look, that that's not t- too long. Uh, the thing is, though, that you've probably put them in. Uh, you know, as a, a young plant, almost towards the end of the growing season for them uh, here, okay. in, here in Newcastle. So they do become fairly dormant. Now, I've got a big hedge, uh, I hate to say it to you, at the front of my place, and I just pruned it back very heavily yesterday. But I know that I probably won't have to touch that now uh, until September. Okay. Yeah. I wondered if there was a dormant period where um, it would sort of just take its time and sort of settle into the soil. Um, I thought, well, perhaps it would sort of have a, have a growth spurt. 
yeah. at some point. Yeah, um, I, I think you've just put it in just at the wrong time. It's still only okay. a young plant, yep. still wanting to spread its, its roots out of the shape of the pot, essentially. Uh, yeah. And you've put it in just at the, I guess, the beginning of it, you know, its dormant season. Now, okay. with star, uh, Chinese star jasmine, in fact, here in Newcastle, they their leaves will almost turn colour. They go almost a darker black or red colour yeah. uh, at, at times. You know, you'll still have the green in there, but you will get that colorization of the leaves, especially up at Curry. I think you'll probably get a little bit yeah. more frosty uh, yeah. than down yeah. on the coast. So you might find that. But I think next year you're going to have a, a really great plant. They're, they okay. are very quick growing once they get up and running and uh, a lovely fragrance with the flowers. I actually have quite a large, uh, well, long fence, which would, uh, once it starts growing and I'll sort of intertwine and sort of uh, make sure that it's growing in the right direction, they'll look good. The other thing that uh, I was going to ask you about was gardenias. I was given three large gardenia plants, quite mature, quite healthy. They've been dug out. I've just clipped the roots a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm preparing a bed for them. So what's my best bet is to prune them back and the roots then plant them or leave them as is. Yeah, so when you're transplanting a, a gardenia, leave leave the roots almost as, as they are because you want okay. as, as much uh, you know the material there to soak I, up I, moisture. I didn't, I didn't take much off of the roots. It was just to sort of fit them into my car sort of thing. Yeah. They've, they've been in water um large tubs of water so then they're not dying or anything but um yeah so what about pruning them when i put them in yeah i I would actually give them a prune uh what you would find is that a lot of that uh, leaf material will die off anyway so if you reduce the stress of the plant and take about a third of the plant back Okay. Uh, yeah, that'll be ideal. Again, like your Chinese star jasmine, you're not going to get a great deal of growth come this time of year. No, no. Um, now, the other thing is make sure you're not, use, not using any manure or fertiliser in the hole. Uh, no. You really just want to replant them and then just water them normally. After about three to four months, uh, then you would give them some – actually, you could probably give them some liquid fertiliser after a couple of months. But okay. then uh, once we get uh, to you know August, September – uh, that's when you would go a little bit more heavy with the fertiliser and you might be able to give them some cow manure then. That'd be great. Um, I've just got one other little question. I have a hedge of rosemary. Yes. Everybody comments on it. And I actually had a friend give me the rosemary plants at Seedland and I grew them, I'm talking inches now, I suppose about 15, 16 inches, like a little box hedge. I've noticed that part of it is dying. How long does... Um, rosemary lasts for rosemary lasts for a long long time but you can occasionally get little uh, bits that die off like that now sometimes it can be a fungal disease that uh, you know takes hold on the plant uh, other other times it can just be that the bark splits and it gets a bit old and you know branches will die so okay. where, where the uh, rosemary or the hedge is dying off on you just try and trace it back and have a look where you know the main branches have got a bore in there is there some sort of bark split yeah. uh, okay it, it's certain part of of the hedge um i'm also thinking because of all the weather that the wet weather that we've had that that probably because rosemary doesn't like a lot of water. Same with lavender. Absolutely. I'm wondering. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's the case where because we've had so much rain 
that it's sort of saying, well, that's it, I've had enough. Yeah, look, that that's, uh, certainly could be the case. We had a lady again last week uh, call up and she was trying to establish a rosemary hedge, but it turned out that uh, after we talked to her for a little while, where she was trying to to grow it was just a little bit too wet with the conditions that we've got at the moment. So it could be just that that one particular plant, um, you know, in the spot where it's dying off, it's just getting too much water at the moment and uh, yeah. it's not a very well, happy. I, I must have about 15 plants and I've sort of, watched them grow up and I've basically shaped them. Quite proud of my little hedge actually. Um, con- considering it didn't cost me anything because a friend of mine, as I said, gave me the seedlings and I, I just planted them and shaped them and kept an eye on it. And yeah, I've just got one patch where it's just literally dying. So what I might do is sort of check it out and if, keep an eye on the rosemary and replant another rosemary take that out and re- replant another rosemary in its place to yeah. see if it will sort of come back sort of thing. And, and it, might, it might also be, and this was what the, the advice that I gave to the lady last week, uh, to uh, when you're replanting it, if you do decide to do that, just to uh, create a little bit more drainage, you know, just a little channel or something, some yeah. uh, aggregate I, there. Uh, it's actually been quite good for the last, I'd say, three years. Yes. Uh, yeah. That Just all of a sudden it's just... Um, decided to die on me in certain little patches. Yeah, and I, I think it could be just that we've had, uh, what, probably the most rain ever. For quite a while. <laughs> yeah, in the last couple of days. All right, thank you very much, Angela. Heading to Charlestown with Christine. Christine, uh, some frangipanis all of a sudden have developed a yellow powdery substance on them. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Um, well, not sudden. It's been there a while. Um, the leaves are dropping off because it's autumn, but some of the green, healthy ones have got this funny yellow powder on the back, and I wondered if it was a rust. Yes, it, it is a rust. It's not sort of the, the rust that gets on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, but it is actually a rust. It's a fungal disease. Uh, and I, I get, it's a, not good for the frangipanis. Over time, it has uh, you know come further and further south until it's uh, affecting our plants down here in New South Wales. The the good side, the flip side, though, uh, to it, Christine, is that it is affecting the plant, only affects the plants at this time of year when they're going to drop their leaves anyway. So the most important thing to do uh, at this stage, you know, if you'd called up a month ago, I would have said, oh, look, get out there and spray with some, uh, you know, Mancozet Plus or a, or a copper spray, some sort of fungicide. But as they're dropping their leaves now anyway, it's very important to make sure that you rake those leaves up uh, and get them away from the area of the plant. And then, I have been doing that, yep. Very good, very good, because otherwise the rust spores just live in the ground underneath the plant and they come back again next year. Uh, the other thing to do is to get one of those fungicides that I just mentioned, uh, you know, a copper spray or, or mancozeb, and then drench the soil around the plant as well to try and get kill any fungal spores uh, that might be still in the soil. Right. Yeah. Okay, these so, are actually in pots. So is it still the same treatment? Uh, look, yes, you, that's not a bad thing to do. Um, just give the sort of the ground around the area a bit of a drench and, and in the pot. Um, probably don't have to be as, you know, sort of full on about it as if uh, it was in the ground. But, uh, yeah, look, it is a difficult thing. Uh, it is a windborne uh, fungal disease, a, a rust, so it just gets blown around. Uh, it does affect the plants once we get the humid um, the humid period. I know mine at, at home uh, looks absolutely awful at the moment uh, because it's got the rust, but I know that 
you know, it's it's going to, about to become dormant, so I just clean up around it and uh, just cross my fingers and everything will be right for next year. All right, thank you very much, Christine. Scotty, we'll get back into some more calls in just a little while and uh, we continue with a very, very informative gardening talk back today. Thank you. Good afternoon, Rob at Chain Valley Bay. What's going on with your uh, miniature lemon tree? Uh, I've got this miniature lemon tree. It's about uh, probably five years old. It's going really good. Um, I'm getting lots of big fruit on it. The problem I've got with it is that uh, the leaf miner is driving me insane. Now, I've tried that many different um, chemicals that were recommended by different nurseries. I even tried an old um, uh, home remedy of uh, five litres of water in the sprayer and some uh, dishwashing detergent. Um and nothing seems to stop them. <laughs> yeah, look, it it is difficult uh, trying to keep citrus leaf miner under control, uh, especially you know during January, February, March when all that new growth comes on the plant, and that's that's the key to it though that the citrus leaf miner uh, love the new growth on the plant. So what happens? Little moth comes down, lays eggs, uh, eggs hatch, burrow in under that. Uh, transparent layer of the leaf and then they just move around in there feeding 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 and the cycle completes they become a moth and off they they go again so the only way to really uh, try and control it is to use some sort of chemical Uh, I don't you know uh, recommend using a harsh chemical on it there seems to be no real reason to what you're trying to do is create a a little layer um, that stops the little pupa going through so i usually recommend uh, eco oil for that Uh, pest oil as well but i think eco oil is probably the best uh, one to use so you spray that on you have to be really diligent about it you probably need to use it every week every two weeks only when you see the new growth on there though once the growth goes from that uh, you know bright limey green to a harder darker green and the leaves harden up that you can stop doing it then you don't have to do it so you have to be really careful and diligent when the new growth comes on to uh, go out there and spray with eco oil then probably every week to try and keep it under control how how often have you been uh, spraying uh and, probably and what, about every three weeks what i what i actually do is i'll go out um and as soon as i start to see the leaves shriveling up i'll cut them off uh, throw them away, mm-hmm. and then I spray the whole plant, um, the whole tree, using the, the garden sprayer and trying to get both sides of the leaves. But um, I'll give that a go. Yeah, <laughs> look, I, I, you are doing the right thing. The only thing I would say to you is before you see the leaves starting to, to curl up or shrivel up, you or you just need to be out there. You know, it's almost like you could hit the... Uh, you know, the second week, third week of January, and just go out there and start spraying then uh, in a preventative sense. The other thing you can do as well if you want to, uh, you could uh, mix some pyrethrum uh, in with that. Uh, and so if you, you know, you're killing the little moths as well, if there's any around, and if there's any, you know, pupas just lurking around on the surface, you might get those as well. So it might just be a sort of a two-pronged approach that you need to to do but you need to get out there before you see the leaves start uh, starting to curl up and spray preventatively probably then until the middle of march all right thank you very much rob and we are now heading to redhead uh grant you've got a, a vine growing on your palm tree i believe yeah yeah i, I just wonder if it's going to ring bark it and fall over 
So, yeah, so what's what sort of vine have you got there, uh, Grant? Um, you don't really know? Yeah. Or? No, I don't know, Scotty, but it's, it's you know, we've got like an indoor-outdoor area and and, um, and the, the vine's only growing up about six foot high, and but it's 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 all over it, all around it, you know, like wrapping all around it, and uh, but but it's not growing all the way up the top. And I was just, will that ring bark it and kill it and make it fall over? Yeah, well, look, depending on the on the actual climb or a vine that you've got, as it gets yeah. older and older, it's going to become more woody and start to. Yeah, yeah. You know, cling in and and start to restrict the growth of the the trunk of the palm. So the the short answer is yes. Over time, it it, okay. it could do that. Yeah. So I, I'd be thinking to, you know, if you if you love the palm more than the than the climber, uh, to yeah. to get rid of the climber and uh, just make sure your palm's nice and uh, secure and healthy. I'm, I'm all worried about it falling on on the fence in the um, neighbour's back shed. So that. Okay, thanks, mate. I'll get rid of it. Good on you, boys. Keep up the good work. Okay, appreciate it, Grant. You have a nice afternoon. All right, nice work there, Grant. Well, uh, Scotty, got a couple of minutes to go, so we might just wade through uh, one or two of the topics we, we thought we weren't going to have time, but luckily we can squeeze through just a couple of them. They've got about two minutes. Well, I've got one that's very relevant here at the moment, and it's I, I noticed it's even more relevant because as I was driving out here today down past Jesmond Park, and this is a big shout-out to all the uh, council gardeners out there doing a fantastic job around our parks. Uh, they do keep them beautiful and, and neat. Uh, but down there at Jesmond Park, they've got some tibichinas uh, planted out down there. A mass of purple flowers at the moment. Absolutely stunning. So I thought I might just have a, a quick talk about them. They're sort of coming towards the end of their, their flowering season now, Tipichinas. Uh, a really versatile plant. Uh, Tipichina Alstonville's the one that gets to about uh, you know six to eight metres tall. There's a lot of uh, you know other varieties though. There's uh, jewels, which only gets to about sixty centimeters high, so that's ideal for uh, the garden. There's you know also Kathleen, Nolene, uh, and some other different varieties that have pinks and you know more white in their flowers. But the most popular ones, obviously, are the purple ones. Uh, once they finish flowering, it is time to give them a a cutback. Um, so that's pretty soon because I noticed those ones, uh, massive flowers down there in Jesmond Park, but they're going to start dropping off soon as the colder weather comes in, and uh, that'll be it. All right. Uh, thanks, Scotty. We've we got time. We've got, got one in, so that's fine. And a big thanks to everybody that was a part of Gardening Tour back today. Scotty, you have yourself a great week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.